All right, Shabbosai, good morning. Let us begin to start by thanking our sponsors. To thank our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Adar, Paul and Kathy Pollock, for dedicating all of the Shi'urim and Drushos this month in memory of Paul's grandparents, Dina Bas Pesach and Zechariah Ben Zechariah. To thank our Day of Learning sponsor, the very beautiful, the Pomerantz family, in honor of the birthday of their patriarch, Joel Pomerantz in Philadelphia. Happy birthday, Admir Esim Shanam Tovos, by his loving and devoted family. Truly beautiful. And I will say it's very exciting that uh, Parak of Arvi Pesachim has been dedicated by Maishi and Chavi Abramson in the Zechus of a Rafu Shlema for a little boy in our community, Daniel Meir Ben Chana. We hope that the merit of our Tamatora, he together with Kol Chole Yisrael, will have a complete and enduring Rafua. Thank the Abramsons very much for that special sponsorship as well. So with that, let us begin. So today's daf is Tzadik Tess. We are picking up Emir Hashem at the top of Tzadik Tess. We got all the way, actually, no, I'm sorry. We're starting at the bottom of Tzadik Chesim Abayz. Yesterday, in the, uh, in the hours after Shabbos, as I think I went about uh, four minutes over time after Shabbos, and everyone knows, you, you could be late for a lot of things in life. The one thing you cannot be late for on a communal level is my Rivan Matzi Shabbos, right? Mamish, every single person has the most emergency things to do, emergent things to do on Matzi Shabbos. Okay, I apologize for that. But let's see what else we got from the Gemara. So today's Zafi Tzadik Yes, 99. We are picking up on Tzadik Yes, 98 to be at the Gemara. Tan Rabbanon, Amr Lohen, Va Amr Lo, Ocha Min Arishon, Lo Amr Lohen, Velo Amr Lo, Einon Achra In Zealza. So we'll say, the Gemara does something very interesting. Essentially what the Gemara does is condenses the first couple of cases really into two general principles. Principle number one is that when the two groups speak to each other, remember again, we had a variety of different cases. Remember from yesterday? From yesterday we had a Chabura. Chabura lost its carbon Pesach. Ruben, one of the members of the Chabura, goes out to search for the Chabura's carbon Pesach. So there were two categories of cases. Case number one is where, let's say, Ruben said to the Chabura, I'm going out to find if I'm late, shecht on my behalf. Or the Chabura says to Ruben, if you find it shecht on our behalf, they communicate. Now, interestingly enough, that's where the confusion comes up. Uh, well, again, if we know who found the carbon and who shechted first, that's one case. If there's ambiguity, we're not sure who shechted first, that's where you usually end up with a situation where what? Where what? Where what? Someone's not eating carbon Pesach. Remember again, as we pointed out in most of the cases that, that the Mishnah mentioned, everybody's Yotze carbon Pesach, but usually when there's confusion, someone's not going to get to eat carbon Pesach. Versus the case where the Chabur loses the Pesach, Reuven goes out to find the carbon, but no one communicates with each other. So Reuven doesn't communicate with the Chabur, the Chabur doesn't communicate to Reuven. So the Gemara says something amazing. Top of Tzadik Tess, Mikan Amruchachamim. From here, and remember again, before we get to it, and remember what happens in that case where no one communicates with each other? As the, good. The Gemara says, Inan and Zelza. Essentially, at that point, everyone does their own thing. To which the Gemara says something amazing. Tzadik Tess, Amadalif. Mikan Amruchachamim. From here, the Chacham says, Rebosai, get ready for this. How good silence is for the wise, all the more so for the fools. What does this mean? Because here's what's amazing. When they communicate with each other, that when they talk, that's when they get themselves into trouble. Right? That's where there's ambiguity. So what do we do? Who eats the Pesach? Who doesn't eat the Pesach? Who shechted first? Who didn't shecht first? Versus when they say nothing to each other, what ends up happening? Ruven, you do your thing. Chabur does their thing. I'll say, I just want to point out, so the Gemara quotes a passage. Shneemar, Evel Machrish, 
Chachami Chashev. The Gemara quotes the Pasuk from Mishle that ultimately when the fool is silent, he could even be looked at as a wise man. We'll say a very profound Gemara because in general, when dealing with group dynamics, communication is usually the best thing. Right? Usually, again, when it comes to relationships, so again, non-communication leads to the fundamental erosion of a relationship. But what the Gemara is pointing out is that sometimes, sometimes, communication can be detrimental. And I've also said this is an incredible yisod. So here, so sometimes communication is of utmost necessary for group dynamics, but sometimes the Gemara is telling us silence is the best thing. And we know this, even in, even in relationships, there are certain things that are good to talk out, but then there are other things that are difficult topics that are not going to have resolution. And so to beat a dead horse and to keep talking about things that we're just not going to find the common ground on, to keep talking about things that are just a source of contention with no solution in mind, shtika is the best approach. So again, the Gemara says, Silence is good for the wise. Beautiful. Says the So remember again, we then had the very interesting case as follows. This was the last case in the Mishnah, and I, I know that I did this pretty quickly. Somebody was already saying Vuhurachum as I was reading this uh, last part of the Mishnah. So we'll say, so remember, this is the case. Reuven and Shimon each had a carbon Pesach. And remember again, there was no other Chabura besides them. Reuven had his carbon, Shmu, uh, Shimon had his carbon. They got their carbonos mixed up. So remember again what the Mishnah said, what do you do in that case? So they each go out to the Shuk. Ruvain finds, Ruvain finds, we'll call him, you know, Ruvain finds A, gets another guy, call him A. Shimon finds another guy, calls him B. And then we'll say, what ends up happening? Essentially what they end up doing is they end up swapping Chabura members. And therefore again, each Ruvain and Shimon then each take an animal. And effectively, what they each say is like this. Reuven says, listen, so now Reuven chose A originally, Shimon chose B. Now Reuven takes B, Shimon takes A. Reuven, Reuven and B stand there, and Reuven takes an animal. Reuven says like this, if the original, if the animal that I just took was done, which was originally mine, then what? Then B, you're leaving Shimon's Chabura coming to me. But if it turns out that the animal that I took really belong to Shimon, then B, I'm leaving my Chabura and I'm coming to, so to speak, leaving my Chabura and I'm coming to you. And Shimon does the same process. So says the Gemara, what do you see from here? Our Mishnah clearly does not reflect the view of Rabbi Huda. Why not? So we'll say the Pasuk says that if you, will have, if you don't have enough people in your home to go ahead and partake of the sheep, to partake of the carbon, so that's, that's what the Torah says, that you should get together with your neighbor, get together with others. However, Rabbi Huda says, well, see, interestingly enough, Rabbi Huda holds that halacha lamaisa, you could change around chaburas all you want, but there must always be an original member of the chabura present. Look at Rashi for just a moment. Look at Rabbi Huda. So this is incredibly important. Rabbi Huda says, you could have as much movement in a Chabura as you want, but there must always be an original member of the Chabura present as part of that carbon. Now, it gets more interesting. Take a look at Rashi. He goes on, he says, he says, so I will say Rashi gives an incredible qualification. 
Not only does Rabbi Yehuda hold that halacha lemaisa, you have to have an original member of the Chabura. But I was saying, when is the original Chabura, so to speak, concretized? When is that Chabura created? Not b'shas shchita, b'shas lekicha, at the time that the animal is purchased. The original chevra is solidified at the time of the purchase of the animal. So the Rebbe says, so now watch this. According to Rabbi Huda, so the Gemara is suggesting that our Mishnah clearly does not reflect the view of Rabbi Huda. According to Rabbi Huda, the Rebbe says, what can you have? You could end up having a carbon Pesach that does not have original members part of it. Because also, remember again, in the case of the Shnaim, of the two people who get their Kabbalahs mixed up, there's only two original members. Who are the two original members? Reuven and Shimon. Right now, Reuven and Shimon are going out to the Shuk, and they're going ahead, and they're getting two new guys. But Bepashtos, those guys, according to Abhuda, are not members of the original Chabura. So therefore, you can end up having a situation. Let's play this out. So remember again, Reuven goes out and gets A, Shimon goes out and gets B. Then they swap. Reuven takes B as his Chabura, Shimon takes A. It's possible then that the carbon that Reuven ends up eating is a carbon that ultimately, again, it was quote-unquote B's carbon, but B himself wasn't even an original member of a Chabura. So all the Gemara is just suggesting is that clearly the Mishnah does not reflect the view of Rabbi Yehuda. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Yossi, I'm sorry. I did have to read the rest of the line. Rabbi Yossi, Omer, Rabbi Yossi, on the other hand, holds like this. You don't have to have an original member of the Chabura. Just the restriction is, you can't have, you can never have a, an ownerless carbon Pesach. So you have to make sure that the carbon Pesach is never without owners. So I will say, for example, I'll give you a good nafkamina case. Let's say you have Chabura A, just a regular case, Chabura A, they buy a carbon Pesach together. Then they decide, you know what, they found the more beautiful sheep, they want to go to, they want to, go to a different animal. So now they identify Chabura B is willing to take ownership over, ownership of the animal. So current Yossi, for example, you can't have a situation where A withdraws and then B takes the carbon because that would leave the animal without ownership. What you can do is what? What you can do is what? You can have B join, or at least some of B join, and then A could withdraw. So like this, so I say the nafkamina is, according to Rabbi Yossi, the animal can never be without owners. But if the animal ends up with different ownership, in other words, none of the original ownership remains, that's okay. So this is the machlokis Rabbi Yossi. All the Gemara is suggesting is it's clear the Mishnah does not reflect the view of Rabbi Huda, because according to Rabbi Huda, the solution mentioned in the Mishnah should not work. Because according to Rabbi Huda, you can end up leaving the current Pesach without original Pesach ownership. To which the Gemara says, I'm Rabbi Yochuna. No, not necessarily. Rabbi Huda. The Mishnah could even reflect the view of Rabbi Huda. Why? Rabbi Huda so said, this is very interesting. There's another sheet of Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda holds that halacha lamaisa, halacha lamaisa, you can't shecht a carbon pesach for an individual. You can't do it. We learned this before, actually. You can't go ahead and shecht a carbon pesach for an individual. There must be a chabura. So therefore, we'll say like this. When Reuven owns the pesach by himself, that's not a chabura according to Rabbi Huda. Therefore, by definition, that chabura requires the addition of another person. Therefore, when Reuven goes out to the shuk, and Shimon does the same thing, goes out to the shuk, those are considered to be A and B, the add-ons, 
are considered to be members of the original Chabura. Aye, but they weren't there b'shas l'kicha. They weren't there when Reuven and Shimon bought their respective animals. It doesn't matter. Since it was clear that Reuven and Shimon were going to have to add on additional people, it's ki'ilu A and B are like the original members of the Chabura. Oh, and therefore, again, when they do this whole swap over here, right? Reuven takes B, Shimon takes A. So A and B are, cons- in fact, considered to be original members of the Chabura. And therefore, this solution could even work according to Rabbi Huda. Incredible. Amr Ravashi, Ravashi says, Masnisin nami deko. Our Mishnah supports this reading as well. Diktoni, v'chein chamish chaburos shal chamisha chamisha. Also remember, again, the Mishnah said, what was true with Reuben and Shimon also worked with five groups of five or ten groups of ten. Now I make an interesting most remember again what did that mean? What, what does it mean? What's, what does it mean five groups of five? Most remember this case? Five groups, their their carbonos get mixed up. So we'll say, what do you do in order to in order to allow everyone to eat a carbon pesach? Remember what we do? We dissolve all of the groups, we dissolve all of the groups, and reconstitute five new groups, each with a member of the original groups. That way, again, we'll say what ends up happening. Everybody takes an animal, and what are you guaranteed of? What are you guaranteed of? That at least one member of the original group is, is attached to his initial carbon Pesach. That's what you do. So the Gemara says, if we notice over here, the Gemara says, Shal chamisha, shal chamisha, shal chamisha in. Aval shechamisha va'arba'a lo. I will say, again, this, this, solution, this idea only works with five groups of five. Because if you have five groups of five, you dissolve and reconstitute those groups. So we'll say, remember again, you had A, B, C, D, and E. And now you dissolve those groups, reconstitute them, and each group has a member, each group has a member from group A, B, C, D, and E. This way you ensure that there is at least one original member attached to each carbon Pesach. So the Gemara says, so therefore it only works with five groups of five. But for example, if you were to have a mixture of groups of five and four, this solution would not work. The Gemara says, Ultimately, again, we see why is that? Because there is not an original member of the Chabura to be attached to the current Pesach. What begins just ultimately, it's, first of all, there's a number of takeaways from this. Number one, that there's Machlokis Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi. So I want to point that out. Remember, again, so if, I wa- if we want to switch ownership of a Karim Pesach from one group to another, according to Rabbi Yehuda, you could do that. But there must be an orig- a member of the original Chabura who stays on. Rabbi Yossi says, no, a Karim Pesach could have a fundamental, comprehensive change of ownership, but again, it can never remain for a moment ownerless, or can never remain ownerless for a moment. So the only way to, to, to swap ownership is how, essentially, have the new group or members of the new group join the old one, and then have the old one withdraw. We'll say the Raman Paskins like Rabbi Yossi, that Halacha you could switch ownership of a Karman Pesach. You do not need to retain any vestige of former membership, but the carbon cannot be ownerless at any point in time. And the goal the Gemara does says over here is that we originally thought that this solution espoused by the Mishnah would not work according to Rabbi Huda. Kamash Malan, it does. Feel for Abosai, Hajjun Allah, Misha Hayatame.
Mazel Tov. We'll say, finishing the ninth paragraph of our Psachim. Uh, I'm sorry, Psachim. So we'll say, we now begin, Daf Tzadik, Gavi, Gavi, can you do me a favor? The, I think the fan is on, on the, on the heating system. Just switch it to auto, please. So we'll say, so on Tzadik Tesla, days at 99B, we have the incredible Zuchos to begin. The last paragraph of Masechah's Psachim, to begin our day Pesachim. I will say, again, I just want to point out, next 22 days in Yerat Hashem, we will be Zohar to learn this parak, and we will finish, I think we finish the week of Pesach, if I'm correct. I think that's when we finish Pesachim, Yerat Hashem. So we'll say, so incredible, incredible Zohar. This is, I, I would venture to say, that, thank you, that this is a parak that probably many of us have seen over the course of our, of our schooling, of our yeshiva education, but you know, it's an amazing thing that um, sometimes the same things that we saw when we were young, we come to them with a different appreciation as we uh, as as we get older, and especially coming into that, being able to come into the seder, now going through the sugyas and going through the halachas and the hashkafas. Sometimes we forget the schos that it is to learn Torah. We look at learning Torah as an obligation. It's true, it is an obligation. But just because something is an obligation doesn't mean that it's not an ultimate privilege. So we'll say with that, let us begin. So I just want to point out from the beginning, you'll notice over here one of the important features in the 10th parakel here in Aritzochim is that we're going to re- begin to rely heavily on the parish of the Rashbam. So you'll notice over here that the daf is split between Rashi on top and the Rashbam on the bottom. The Rashbam, you can see over here, was a Talmud, actually a grandson of Rashi, a Talmud and a grandson of Rashi. So the Rashbam's parish on the parak is a bit more comprehensive than Rashi here. So we'll, we'll be referring to both because sometimes, interestingly enough, there is a distinction. I will say the first distinction we see is how to read the first word of the parak. So if you notice again, Rashi's girsa is Erev Psachim, and Rashbam's girsa is Arve Psachim. Now I will say, now again, even before we go on, you see which one makes more sense? Arve, right? Because remember again, Psachim is plural. So Arve Psachim makes more sense. So Tosis has a whole piece over here. Tosis says Erev Psachim. Igar sinan arve necha. So if you have the gears of arve psachim like the Rashbam, that works well. Igar sinan erev. I bought about the fact that Rashi's gear says erev. So Tosa says hachikamar erev sheshochtin bo psachim. Interesting. So Tosa says the way Rashi read this opening line was the evening on which we shecht psachim. Right? So again, instead of, so the evening on which, or really, we don't really shecht in the evening, but the evening in which we consume Psachim. Kesatosa says, Inami, Erev Pesach, Rishon, Bishani. Okay, good. So I'll say, so again, we'll go, we'll go with Arvi Psachim of the Rashbam. So Arvi Psachim, Erev Pesach, Samoch Lamincha, when it is already close to Mincha time, Lo Yochal Adom Ad Shetech a person should not eat. Until it gets dark. Let's take a look at the Rashbam. So, Arve Psachim Samach Lamencha says the Rashbam, Mincha Kitanas. We'll say the Rashbam jumps in a little bit because we're going to discuss in the Gemara which Mincha you're talking about. Remember, again, I both say, just, we're going to get to this. But remember, when we speak about Mincha, we have two different Minchas. We have Mincha Gidola, Mincha Kitana. Mincha Gidola is at six and a half hours into the day. Mincha Kitana is at nine and a half hours into the day. So, remember, again, if we go with the perfect halachic day, I'm sorry, 6 a.m. sunrise, 6 a.m. sunset, Mincha Gidob is 12.30, Mincha Kitana is 3.30. Samuch means some, so again, Ra, the Rashbam already points out over here that this is Mincha Kitana, later on in the afternoon. So it is Samuch to Mincha Kitana, read Rashbam, Mincha Kitana, Kodum Mincha Ma'at, Chatisha, 
Betrilas Shasiris, this Nam Tamin Nishchat Bishmono Mechza. Fine. So therefore, we'll say, the Rashmon is, is already telling us, first of all, a couple of things. Number one, that the Mincha we're talking about is Mincha Gitana. And number two, that Samuch means half hour. So Rashbam defines this opening phrase in the Mishnah that a half hour before Mincha Kitana, which again, so just to illustrate, 3 p.m. on our perfect halachic day, 3 p.m. you can't eat. Rashi says, Lo yochal Adam. Now, Bosei, look at Rashbam again. Why can't you eat? So the Rashbam says you can't eat, you can't, the Mishnah says you can't eat ultimately again from mincha, from a half hour before Mincha Kitana and on. Why? In order that you should eat matzah with a good appetite, Mishum Hidr Mitzvah. Because they're both saying this is Hidr Mitzvah. So I want to point out something very interesting. Only because it's Sunday, so you have a few extra moments. That th- this is a very striking statement. First of all, from where do you know that eating matzah with an appetite is hidr mitzvah? Whereas we'll say, first of all, again, generally when we speak about hidr mitzvah, what's hidr mitzvah? Give me an example of hidr mitzvah. Esther, right? Buying something more beautiful, right? Or again, going ahead and instead of taking, you know, seven tea lights, you know, eight tea lights and lighting them up, I, I get a nice menorah. Hidr mitzvah usually is the objective beautification of a cheftzah shal mitzvah. I don't just buy any pair of tefillin, I buy a nice pair of tefillin. That's what hidr is. Drashpam is introducing this idea that suddenly eating matzah with greater appetite is a form of hidr mitzvah. So there is, there is, a, there is an incredible amount of literature about this. First of all, where does this, this is a brand, I just want to point out, this is a brand new definition of hidr. A brand new definition of Hidr. Now, what I want to also point out is that something very interesting. Well, okay, so we're not going to get into all of this right now, but I just want to give you a matter of makom, that this notion, but I, I think perhaps there's an interesting approach here. Now, I will say, one of, the, one of the fascinating ideas by matzo is the duality of matzo. Right? This, the, what, what does matzo represent? And the answer is matzo represents two dramatically opposite things. When we start the Seder, Matzah represents halach ma'anya diachalu avasana ba'ara di Mitzrayim. Matzah represents the bread of affliction. But yet amazingly enough, when you get to the end of the Seder, what does Matzah write? First of all, in the end, we get to Rabbi Gamliel. Rabbi Gamliel, ha'ya omer koshlam ha'shoshdoram ha'pesach lo'yot ha'dei chavasa. And Matzah is ha'shuma. Matzah is ha'shuma. Right? Matzah is because we left Egypt with such haste. Ha'shumaru, avusenu. When Allah would say, we didn't, we left Egypt with such haste that the dough didn't have a chance to rise. So matzah, matzah is the bread of freedom. So matzah has this fascinating dialectic. Matzah is the bread of chirus, and matzah is the bread of freedom. So perhaps what the Rashbam is teaching us is as follows. When you first eat matzah at the Seder, matzah is consumed betoras avdus. The hider mitzvah to perform, the ma- to, to eat the hider mitzvah for matzah to commemorate slavery is to eat it how? See it how? When you're hungry. Why? Why? Because ultimately, again, that's much more reminiscent of Avdus. Because when a slave eats, a slave eats with incredible hunger. When a slave eats, he eats whatever, most of we all know, when you eat that first kazais of matzah at the Seder, unless you're one of those people who, who sneaks extra karpas, right? So, so again, you know who you are, right? So, so, so again, when you eat that kazais of matzah, Mamish, like, it is, it, it's, it's man. 
it's mun, right? Especially if, you know, you know, if you're Zohar, to have children at your Seder, and you know how the kids show up at the Seder with like that reinforced 15 ring loose leaf, right? And every single Devar Torah under the sun from the time of Moshe Rabbeinu until your Seder is there. And of course, you want to be a loving and supportive parent. Yes, please say one more Devar Torah about Manashtan. Or yes, we'd love to hear Manashtan in ancient Latin. Please, please, of course, that's what the Seder is all about. Hey, so, so when you get to that first Kezais of Matzah, it's incredible. That first Kezais that we eat, that's the Matzah of Avdus. The Hidr Mitzvah of the consumption of matzah of avdus is l'te'avon. But contrast, as I both say, with what? The next time we eat matzah is when? Afikomen. How is afikomen supposed to be consumed? Al-hasova. Interestingly enough, the matzah of afikomen is not consumed in a hungry, voracious fashion. The matzah of afikomen is consumed when you're full. When you're full. Why? Because what does that matzah represent? That's the matzah of chirus. That's a matzah of freedom. So perhaps what the Rashbam is saying over here is, we don't eat from Minchal Kitana and on, because we want you to eat that first kezais of matzah l'te'avon. That's hidr mitzvah. Hidr mitzvah of what? It's hidr mitzvah of the matzah of avdus. You eat the matzah of avdus with, 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 with an appetite. But yet conversely, by the time I get to the matzah of chirus, which ultimately again is the matzah of afikomen, that has to be eaten a la sova. That's consumed ultimately again on a full stomach like a Ben-Chorin whose appetite has been satisfied. So let's go back there. So says the Gemara. There's a lot more to talk about with matzah as well, this duality of matzah. But Amir Tzashem, we'll see that as we get into the parak. So the Gemara says as follows. Even an ani, right? even a pauper, so we're switching gears now. Even a pauper should not eat, should not eat at the Seder until he reclines. See, even an Ani has a mitzvah of his seba. Look at Rashi. Sorry, Rash, um, Rashbam. Ach Yosef, kiderech b'nei chorin b'mita v'ala shulchan zeicha l'cheirus. Ultimately, again, even the Ani, so we'll say this is an incredible yisod as well. Even the Ani has to recline. Now remember, reclining is a physical demonstration of freedom. So even the Ani, right, whose personal circumstances are compromised, still halacha l'maysa has the mitzvah of his seba. Interestingly enough, so again, Tosas gets into this as well. You, well, let's go back there. I just want to point out, like, these Gemaras, these, these it's, it's literally like we hit the jackpot. It's, it's literally like we just... Ed McMahon should come in with, like, the big publisher's clearinghouse check. You know, that, that, that's how it feels like. So the Gemara says as follows, Allah was say ultimately again, and you should make sure that the ani is not left without four cups of wine. So we'll say, so now again, once you got into the topic of the ani, ani has to do a seba, and everyone has to have dalakosos. Everybody has to have the four cups of wine. We'll say, even if someone is so poor that they are supported from the tamchui, they still have to go ahead and have four cups. So let's analyze. We'll say, take a look at Drashbam again. So we'll say, so this is very interesting. What does it mean they should make sure that he is not without four cups? Who, who's the they? Who's the they? So this is incredible. The Rashbam says that there is an obligation upon the community to ensure that the poor have what they need for Pesach. So the, the Rashbam says they, they is a reference to the tzedakah collectors. The, the tzedakah gaboim. The tzedakah gaboim have to make sure that the Ani has 
Dalad Kosos, Kidistan, in Poxin, Lania, over Makom, Makom, Amo Lishna de Loyifres, who Agabite Stokakoi, Vodinami, Loyitnulo, Shetzerak, Shiach, Sorbakol, Koko, Acharov. So we'll say, Drashbam says, but this is very important, and this is such an incredible muster. You might think, that because the Mishnah says, they must make sure that he has Dalat Kosos. It's a din in the Gabite Stucker. It's a din in the, in the Stucker Collect, din in the community. And maybe the Ani has no Chiyav. That's why says, no, no, no. It is a din in the community. But if Halacha Lamaisa, the Gabite Stucker didn't find the Ani, the Ani must find the Gabite Stucker. This is an incredible Yisod. Never is there a model in Yiddishkeit where you are freed from personal responsibility. See, even if someone has an obligation to take care of me, I always have an obligation to take care of myself. Never, ever can I wash my hands of personalistic responsibility. So the community has an obligation to look out for the audience. Truth is, that's all the time. But specifically to make sure that he has Dalit Kosos, but the Ani has a responsibility to look out for himself as well. So the Rashbam goes on. He says, שבאוסיין and the soup kitchen serviced those who were most desperate. So what the Mishnah is saying is, even if the Ani in question is someone who is serviced by the Tamchoy, by the soup kitchen, you still have to give him four cups of wine. Look at Rash, Rashbam. So now listen to this. So here's, there's, there's a very important so that's coming out of here, which is even if we're, the Ani in question is the Ani Shaba'aniyim, the poorest of the Barakas, just remember again, if you had two meals worth of food in your home, you were ineligible for the soup kitchen. You couldn't get online for the soup kitchen. It's only if you didn't, you had less than two, two meals. Well, you know, sometimes we, we forget like how privileged we are that you, know, you, you, you go into your home and Baruch Hashem, there's food. You know, sometimes we complain, especially when we're kids, you know, that maybe it's not the food that we like, but what it means to go into a home that's stocked with food, that's stocked with food. You know, we, we know, there are people, even, of course, today, who don't have that. In our community, I'm talking about, certainly in the greater world. So who's, so we'll say, so there was a soup kitchen, a soup kitchen you could access if you did not have mazon shtei sudos. So the, what the Gemara is saying is like this, and this is incredible, what the Mishnah is saying, is that even an Ani, who was essentially on the lowest rung of poverty, that the only way he was supported was from the tamkhoi, from the collection plate, even he must be furnished with Dalit Kosos. We'll say, what's the takeaway message? The takeaway message is that Dalit Kosos 
are not reflective of, of what we'll call personal status chirus, but they're reflective of objective chirus. In other words, you see this theme over and over. Why does the Mishnah have to say that even the Ani has to recline? Why does the Mishnah say that you have to give the Ani four, money for four or four cups of wine? Because again, I might have thought, I'm sorry, I might, I might have thought that halacha lamaisa, I might have thought that halacha lamaisa, it's only someone whose life is reflective of real chairus that should be involved in these things. The Ani, the Ani's gonna recline like he's a free man. He's not a free man. He's in debt, is this, is that. Ani's gonna drink four cups of wine. So, so you begin to see what the Mishnah is highlighting to us is that ultimately, again, the reclining and four cups are demonstrative of some level of objective freedom that every person possesses independent of their personal circumstances. We're going to develop this theme more. We will say it's an incredible yisod. There is a level of freedom that I have that is fundamentally separate, distinct, and divorced from my personal circumstances. If you look at my circumstances, I might be impoverished, I might be in debt, I might have all these things, but I still recline, I still drink for a while, I still drink for a couple, because the chiris that we demonstrate is part and parcel of the persona of every Jew. To be developed, to be developed. Good. So we'll say that that is our Mishnah. Oh, what a Mishnah. What a, what a, what a Mishnah. All right, good. Says the Gemara. Says the Gemara, now it gets better. Says the Gemara, we'll say, So my area, Arve Psochim, Afilu Arve Shabbosos, Vyamim Tovin Nami. So we'll say, this is very interesting. So the Mishnah, we'll say, by the way, there are more of these notebooks. If anyone wants, Dafyomi notebooks, and I would urge you, especially for Arve Psochim, Find a way to write down the stuff that we're going to talk about. But you know, it doesn't mean my stuff. But even if you see things that intrigue you along the journey, write it down. You could bring again your beautiful notebook to the Seder. Open it up, reference. So if for some reason people are not at Divrei Torah, you don't have to get to those awkward silent moments at the Seder where no one has anything to say. You could be the life of the party. And Amir Hashem, if you're going to a hotel or, you know, Dubai, I don't know where everybody's going this place on, you know, you could go table to table. You know, table to table. You guys look a little bored. Let me share with you something. So I'm going to say the notebooks are here and there's plenty more of them as well. Says the Gemara. My area Arve Psachim. So I'll say this is interesting. So the Mishnah said that Arve Psachim Samoch Lemincha, you can't go ahead and eat. You can't, you can't eat. So I'll say, so interesting, the, Gemara, the Mishnah makes it sound like this is a din in Arve Pesach. So the Gemara says, I don't understand, why do you say Arve Pesach? Afilu Arve Shabbos Yom Tov Nami. We'll say, in fact, this is a halacha on every Erev Shabbos and every Erev Yom Tiv. This Sanya, Lo Yochal Adam Ba'arve Shabbos Yom Tov Minamin Cholamaylah. A person really should not eat on Erev Shabbos or Erev Yom Tiv from Mincha time in on. Why? In order that a person should enter into Yom Tev, a person should enter into Shabbos with a good appetite. With a good appetite. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi says, no. Rabbi Yossi says, not true, but rather on Shabbos and Yom Tev, you could eat until it gets dark. Once it gets, I will say again, why does it eat until it gets dark? Because what happens once it gets dark? Well, I'm sorry? Then, no, then there's a key of Kiddush. Right, then there's a key of Kiddush. So remember again, Rabbi Yossi says, you can continue to eating until it gets dark. That's fine. Obviously, once it gets dark, you have to make Kiddush. And then could, you can continue eating afterwards. So we'll say, this is very interesting. So the Gemara is saying, Mishnah, why do you make it sound like not eating from Samuch Lamin Chazadin and Erev Pesach? At least according to Rabbi Yehuda, it's a din. <coughs> Sorry, it's a din. 
It's a din in every Erev Shabbos. It's a din in every Erev Yom Tiv. So what's the Pshat? Says the Gemara. Amrav Huna. So we're going to have a couple of answers. Amrav Huna. Huna says, no. So we'll say, so Rav Huna suggests, this is Rav Huna's approach. You're right. The Mishnah is not necessary according to Rabbi Huda. Because according to Rabbi Huda, the din, the din of stopping to eat from, mincha, from, from a half hour before Mincha Ketana and on is a din in every Erev Shabbos, in every Erev Yamtiv. The Mishnah is necessary according to Rabbi Yossi. Because Rabbi Yossi normally holds that what? That what? On a general Erev Shabbos or a general Erev Yamtiv, you can eat until when? Until when? Until nightfall. Oh, the Mishnah comes along, even according to Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi will agree that on Erev Pesach, you have to stop eating a half hour before Mincha Kitano. Why? The Gemara says, Hani mi li barbishos yom tovim, aval be'erev Pesach, mishum chiyuvid dematzah, moda. Even Rabbi Yossi will agree that on Erev Pesach, you have to stop eating a half hour before Mincha Kitano. For what reason? Mishum chiyuvid dematzah. So I will say, so once again, take a look at the Rashbam, Mishum Chiyuvah Demazah, Shalotei Ne'acheles Al Hasova. So I will say, this is incredible. And I think this bolts what we said before. Because here, Rabbi Yossi will hold, you can't eat matzah while in a state of being sated. That was too many words. While in a state of satiation. Good, Menachem? State of satiation? Satiety? Is that the right word? Satiety? Okay. While in a state of satiety. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I want my retainer back. By the way. Good. Satiation. So again, I just want to point out. I think this Rashbam bolsters what we said before. Remember again, I was like, the Rashbam doesn't say like I'm concerned it's going to be achila gasa. Person going to be fressing the whole erev yamtiv. The the baich is going to be busting, and then he's going to eat matzah. It's achila gasa. See if you notice again what the Rashbam is concerned about over here is that the matzah will be ne'achal al hasova, that I won't be hungry. Which is fascinating because afikoman is dafka supposed to be consumed al hasova. So you begin to see from here that the first time I eat matzah, there's a din of eating it while hungry. That's what the Rashbam called before hidr mitzvah. What kind of hidr mitzvah is that? Elamai, if you say like what we said before, that the first din of matzah is zecher la'avdus. And therefore, the hidr mitzvah, the way to feel the avdus, is to eat it when you're hungry. Now I understand. I don't want you to eat the matzah when you're full. I want you to eat the matzah when you're hungry. That's the hidr mitzvah for the matzah of avdus. So we'll say, so therefore, again, Rav Huna says, therefore, you're right. According to Rabbi Yehuda, according to Rabbi Yehuda, this din that you shouldn't eat from Mincha Kitana and on applies every Erev Shabbos and every Erev Yom Tiv. The Chiddush of the Mishnah is according to Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi is one who allows you to eat up until nightfall, Erev Shabbos, Erev Yom but even Rabbi Yossi will agree that Halach Lamaisa Erev Pesach, you must stop a half hour before Mincha. And I just want to point out, there's going to be a whole extensive discussion about what Mincha we're talking about. Drashbam kind of ruined it for us, although he made it a lot easier for us. We know we're talking about Mincha Kitana. Right? So we're talking about, again, nine and a half hours into the day, and Samoch means a half hour before that. So therefore, again, for in, our, in our day, from nine hours and on, from three o'clock and on, even Rabbi Yossi will agree that an Arab Pesachi can't eat. Beautiful. Rapapa Bosekim Zolgan says no. Rapapa Amar. Afilu Rabbi Yehuda. No, not true. It could very well be that even according to Rabbi Yehuda, the Mishnah is that side. Now remember again, Rabbi Yehuda is the opinion who holds that what? 
Every Erev Shabbos and every Erev Yom in general, in general, we don't eat from a half hour before Mincha, Kitana, and on. So if that's the case, according to Rabbi Yehuda, why is the Mishnah's statement necessary? Now, as I was saying, remember again, according to Rabbi Yehuda, had the Mishnah not said anything, I would have assumed that of course you can't eat from nine hours of the day and on. So Rabbi Papa says, no, even according to Rabbi Yehuda, it's necessary. Why? I feel to Rabbi Yehuda, Wow, very interesting. So Rav Papa says, here's the difference. According to Rabbi Huda, on a Stam Erev Shabbos or a Stam Erev Yamtiv, now I know you're going to correct me, there's no such thing as a Stam Erev Shabbos or a Stam Erev Yamtiv. Every Erev Shabbos is Kadosh Kadoshim. But okay, you know what I mean. On a regular Erev Shabbos, regular Erev Yamtiv, what's the din? You have to stop from Mincha time and on. What Rabbi what Rav Papa is suggesting is that according to Rabbi Yehuda, Erev Pesach is different. Why is Erev Pesach different? How is Erev Pesach different? What do you have? An extra half hour. An extra half hour that whereas, again, every other Erev Shabbos and Erev Yamtiv, you have to stop at Mincha Kitano. We'll call it at 3.30. At 3.30, you have to stop eating. Erev Pesach, 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock, good. So say, and, and, and again, what, so I just want to point out, according to Rav Huna, the Mishnah is only necessary for the sheet of Rabbi Yossi, who holds that you can normally eat until nightfall, Erev Pesach, uh, Erev Yomtev, Erev Shabbos, Erev Pesach is going to be different. Rav Papa comes along and he says, no, the Mishnah is not necessary even according to Rabbi Yehuda, because Halach HaLamais, Rabbi Yehuda normally allows you to eat up until Mincha. But Erev Pesach, it's only Samach Mincha. You have to stop eating a half hour earlier. So the Gemara says, Erev Shabbos, Samach Mincha Shari, is that true? That According to Rabbi Yehuda, you're allowed to eat all the way up until Mincha time on a regular Erev Shabbos. You don't have to stop Samoch. But we learned, We learned in a Braissa, a person should not eat on Erev Shabbos and Erev Yamtiv from nine hours of the day. Now, what's nine hours of the day? What is that? What is that? That's Samoch. That's just another way of saying, that's just, we'll say, as opposed to our Mishnah, which just condensed it by just saying Samoch, this price is spelling it out. Nine hours of the day on that is a half hour before Mecha Kitana. That's Samoch. Kedei Sheikhanes L'Shabbos Kishutayva, Dib Rabbi Yehuda. In order that you enter into Shabbos with a good appetite. Rabbi Yossi Omer, and Rabbi Yossi says, no, you can go and you can eat up until nightfall. So we'll say, here you see pretty explicitly that what? That what? That Rabbi Huda is saying, even on a Stam Erev Shabbos, Stam Erev Yomtiv, you have to stop eating when? When? Nine hours. Nine hours is Samuch Lamincha. So we'll say, that's a Kasha and Rav Papa. So Rav Papa, again, remember one more time. Rav Papa wanted to say, Rabbi Huda on a regular Erev Shabbos, regular Erev Yomtiv says, you could eat up until Mincha. And the Chiddush of the Mishnah is that on Erev Pesach, you have to stop a half hour earlier. But now I have another Braisa, and the Braisa has Rabbi Huda on record saying that even on a Stam Erev Shabbos, Stam Erev Yomtiv, you could eat, uh, you have to stop at nine hours, Samuch, which indicates to us that a regular Erev Shabbos, regular Erev Yomtiv is no different than Erev Pesach. In which the case, what's the need for the Mishnah? To which the Gemara says, to which the Gemara says, um, Amar Azutra. So we'll say, now watch this. So the Gemara says, this is good. Amar Azutra, we'll say, last line, Talik Tesla, Amar Azutra, Man Leimalad Demetaratsi. This is great. We'll say, who says, who says that the Brysa is correct? Or as well say, we just quoted a Brysa that quoted the sheet of Rabbi Huda as saying, 
The sheet of Rabbi Huda is saying, unless you want to walk around, it might be right. So, <laughs> so if you want to get you a bigger cup. So, so who says who says that the brisa that we just quoted is correct? Right? We're just quoting the brisa that says that Rabbi Huda holds even on a even on a stam out of Shabbos and a stam out of Yom, you have to stop eating at nine hours, just like Arab Pesach. Who says that's correct? Right? the top of Kuf. Maybe ultimately again it's incorrect. Maybe it's incorrect. Right? Maybe the Bryce should have read that on a regular Arab Shabbos and a regular Arab Yamtiv, you could eat until nine and a half hours into the day. And therefore the Khidish of our Mishnah is that according to Rabihuda, on Arab Pesach, you have to stop eating at nine hours. So who said what's that? Which by the way is such an incredible Yisod. This this by the way, I think this this line in the Gemara, it, it is so incredibly important, especially for the times of the Nabosa today. Everyone and their mother has a blog, right? And, and people think that what you see in print is automatically correct. And the truth is, people, people engage in so much, you know, verbal vomit, right? So they just, like, just say whatever they want, and they just write whatever they want. And because, like, it lives, you know, in the, you know, whatever, in the, in the internet, or because it lives, like, because it, it, it has an, uh, an address, people assume that it's correct. And it's so incredibly important. Look, I just want to point out, if the Gemara could say that maybe the Braisa is wrong, who says this just because you wrote it like this, who says it's correct? Allah has come of a comma. How careful we have to be with the information we ingest as well. And in general, where, where do you get MS from? Well, so this is because, you know, it's incredible. Everybody has their shitas and everybody has their ashkafas and everybody has their isms and everybody has their outlooks. You have to be very careful where you get your MS from. Where you get your MS from. Where, where, what is the source of your MS? Just when you have the Gemara could say, Dilma Mishtabeshtehi. Maybe that. How careful we have to be. Okay, Amrali Maraymar, Vitim Rabbi Yemar, as well as Tap of Kof. Just going to do another few lines. Amrali Maraymar, Vitim Rabbi Yemar, Anuiklai, the Pirkid Rapinchos. Well, so listen to this. Maraymar, I'll just say it was Rabbi Yemar, said, I went to the Shiver of Pinchos, Braid Rabbi Ami, the Kam Tana. The Tani Kameh, the And in fact, the Tana got up and he in fact went ahead and, and he in fact taught it this way. He taught it this way and ultimately again, Rapinchas accepted it. Serge Rabosai would appear that Halacha Lamaisa, the Braisa, as it was just taught over here is in fact correct. Which means that ultimately again, Rabbi Huda holds that Halacha Lamaisa, both on Erev Shabbos, Erev Yom Tov, as well as Erev Pesach, you stop eating from nine hours and on. Therefore, again, Abosai leads the Gemara to the conclusion, Allah, Mechabarta Kid Rafuna. Rather, Abosai, the Gemara says, You're right. Rather, let's go back to Rafuna's interpretation. Abosai, what was Rafuna's interpretation? Rafuna says, In fact, the Mishnah is not necessary according to Rabbi Yehuda. Why not? Why not, Abosai? Because Rabbi Yehuda holds in general on every Arab Shabbos and every Arab Yamtiv. When do you stop eating? When do you stop eating? Nine hours. So the brace that the Gemara quoted on the bottom was in fact authoritative. It was correct because it was taught in the share of Rav Pinchas and Rav Pinchas accepted it. So we'll say, so therefore again, Rabbi, you're right. The Mishnah does not serve a purpose according to Rabbi Yehuda. Because according to Rabbi Yehuda, he holds in general every Erev Shabbos, every Erev Yantiv, you stop eating a half hour before Mincha. Now in a general Erev Shabbos, Erev Yantiv, why do you stop eating? Why do you stop eating? Why? So that you should enjoy the Suda when you're hungry. 
And that, that, that's the din. That the, the Yom Tov Suda, the Shabbat Suda, should be, is more enjoyable if you go in hungry. Now again, Rabbi Huda would agree that the reason you stop eating before Pesach is because of Matzah, right? It's a little bit of a different reason, but it's the same you sowed. So therefore, Gemara says, Rafuna's approach makes more sense. That Rafuna says, even according to Rabbi Yossi, who holds that Halacha Lamaisa, on a regular Shabbos, or on a regular Yom Tiv, er, I'm sorry, on a regular Erev Shabbos, regular, you can eat until when? You can eat until when? Until nightfall, even Rabbi Yossi will agree that Halacha Lamaisa, on Erev Pesach, you must stop eating a half hour before Mincha Kitana. And I both say, that is indeed how we pass in Halacha Lamaisa. Again, we'll see the, we'll see the Halacha Lamaisa in all of this, both on Erev Pesach and Erev Shabbos, but now it becomes clear that everyone agrees with the ruling of the Mishnah, namely, that on Erev Pesach, we stop eating a half hour before Mincha Kitana, and the Chiddush is even Rabbi Yossi, who normally allows you to eat on Erev Shabbos and Erev Yom Tov, will agree that Allah Chalamai say, Erev Pesach, you stop a half hour before Mincha. All right, so we'll stop over here for today. We'll let me ask you to continue with these sugis tomorrow. Shkoyach.